0: I don't know about you, but wouldn't it have been great when you're growing up to have a group of adults clap for you every week? That's being the church. We're going to take a break away from Luke 24 today. And I have a confession and an apology to make. Now, sometimes I'll say that I have a confession to make and then I'll I'll say something silly. But this is for real. This is honest. In the last little while, I've been convicted by God um, that I've neglected the very important practice of baptism. And I could give reasons and excuses. Generally around here, we will practice baptism at least once a year. Sometimes twice a year, depending on when people need to get baptized, but we haven't done it for three years, and i've been convicted by that because I know at least one person who's who's been hounding me for quite a while to get baptized, and I could make all kinds of excuses and um, you know one one of the factors is um, we always have to borrow a facility in order to have a baptism, but um, we decided to take care of that. And I'll talk about that in just a minute. Um, But I have literally been convicted by God. I've had to repent to God and ask for forgiveness. And and I need to apologize to you. Because I shake my head, um, baptism and in wonder, because baptism is one of the most powerful experiences of the Christian faith. Amen. And so I look back and I shake my hand and I think, what? Why? And it was for me. And I think it was a strategy by the enemy to try to get us distracted or making excuses or, or just, you know, n- not having the, uh, thinking I didn't have the emotional or mental or physical energy to put into it, um, but I just shake my head. and I. But I really believe it's been spiritual warfare, that there's the enemy strategy, because being such a powerful tool by the enemy, and over the uh, past couple of years, recognizing how much what we do makes a difference in spiritual warfare in the unseen... I think Satan has just kept me distracted, and and I I allowed him to do that. So today we're going to correct that. We're going to talk about biblical baptism. And for my hope is that um, for those of you that have been baptized, this will cause you to more deeply appreciate what that experience was all about. And as a memory, and, and bring back the memory of how God worked in your life during that time. And just, re, and just remember how God has worked. And then for those of you that haven't been baptized yet, an invitation to experience one of the most profound, God-filled um, kind of crisis points in our, in our lives that you could possibly experience. So Lord, I, I just pray that you would take this time... And let us hear your voice. Let us hear what you want to tell us. And and that your spirit would reach into the depths of our souls to resonate with truth and to experience the joy that you want to give us as we strive to obey you. Let these words not be mine, but let them be yours. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let me, uh, right up front, before we go any farther, the bullet points there. Salvation is received, accepted in, re- accepted in response to Christ. So I, I want to make sure that we're clear that we're not talking about accepting Christ as Savior. We're not talking about receiving Christ as, as Savior, becoming a Christian. Salvation is a free gift from God. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For, for by grace you have been saved. That is the undeserved merit of God. Grace is the undeserved favor of God. Through faith, through accepting, taking that step to accept faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works so that no one may boast. And so salvation is, is this free gift that God offers to us. He convicts us of our sin and we admit that we're sinners we ask for forgiveness, we accept this free gift of salvation, and we follow him. That's what salvation is about. It doesn't have anything to do with anything we do except say yes and turn from our sin. Repent. 180-degree turn from the way that we were going to following God. That's it. It's, just a, it's a free gift. We don't earn it. Baptism, then, is an act in obedience. It's an act of following Christ in believing loyalty. It doesn't earn our salvation. It's not, our salvation is not conditional on baptism, but baptism is something that God has, has given to us and commanded us to do. So baptism is an act of following Christ and believing loyalty. So let's talk about it. Understanding and participating in biblical baptism. And in our world, there are all kinds of different practices and modes and, you know, denominations have different ways of doing things. And, um, and so here's the bottom line for everything. The only thing that matters is what's in this. Amen. It doesn't matter what a catechism says. It doesn't matter what a denomination says. All of those practices doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is what, what God says in his word. And so that's what we do. With baptism, that's what we look for. It's not um, a tradition, it's a biblical instruction. So turn in your Bibles, Uh, there's two passages of Scripture I want us to look at as we uh, head into this, in Matthew chapter 3, and then later in Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 3, we'll begin with verse 13. Matthew chapter 3, verse 13. Does anybody need a Bible? we got Bibles in the back. Does anybody need them? we got Pete, one here. Anybody else? Two, three, four. And I put the, the, the page number there for you, so it would be easier to find. Matthew chapter 3 beginning with verse 13 Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John John the baptizer to be baptized by him John would have prevented him saying I need to be baptized by you and do you come to me John the Baptist had recognized that Jesus was the Messiah. Jesus was the Christ, and he was the sinless, the pure Lamb of God. He'd even pointed him out to some of his followers. He's the pure Lamb of God. And so when Jesus comes to be baptized, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. Jesus had nothing to repent of. And so, but he came, and he said, no. Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. In other words, the Father has told me to do this. Not as repentance, but as an act of obedience to my father. And, as we'll find out, as a model for those who would follow him. And so then John consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up up from the water. And behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Incredible moment for Jesus because the Trinity was back together. Father, Son, and Spirit all represented there in that moment. And as Jesus obeys, he hears this. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Why? Because he's following me. It wasn't the act of baptism. It was the obedience of baptism. And he experienced the approval. Fast forward to the end of Matthew 28, uh, of Matthew, verse chapter 28. Jesus has gone through his entire ministry now. He's been crucified, resurrected, spent time appearing. And now he's getting ready to to go back to the right hand of the Father. And Jesus came and said to them, Matthew 28, beginning with verse 18. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Go as you're going, as you're walking through life, make disciples, make followers of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so here we find Jesus saying, part of helping people to become like Christ and Christ's followers is for them to be baptized into Jesus in father, son, Holy spirit. And in that way, be incorporated into his group of followers. So let's talk about it. Number one, baptism is a command with a promise. It's a command with a promise. And so Jesus says in Matthew 28, um, baptize them, make disciples baptizing them. Um, and, and then throughout the New Testament, we see these words, repent and be baptized, believe and be baptized. It was, the, it was the command of Jesus that was carried on by the apostles in the book of Acts and then in through the letters of, of the New Testament. Now, if, this, if it was just a command, if that's all it was, if Jesus said to do it, that would be enough, right? That would be enough because whatever Jesus tells us to do We know it's based in his love and his purposes and and his good plans. And so we can trust that. If that's all we had, God, he commanded it, then that would be enough. And so it's a command, but it's also an example to follow. In Matthew chapter 3, Jesus did not need to be baptized, but he was baptized as an act of obedience, as an act of, uh, of saying, I'm going to do what the Father wants me to do. Because it was his father's wishes. And as a result, the father, there was, a mo- there was an incredible moment when Jesus experienced the affirmation of the father. And it's the same with us. Our desire should be to follow Jesus' command, but also follow Jesus' example. Right? So if it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for us, right? Right? So we need to follow his command. We need to follow his example. But baptism is also an invitation to experience God. As often as, as we obey, we, uh, we experience the, the affirmation, the pleasure of God, the delight of God. And so sometimes in, as I voice our prayer on Sunday mornings, I'll say, may we bring delight to you. Because God, as our loving Heavenly Father, because Christianity is a relationship, it's not a religion, it's not a ritual, it's a, we bring delight to God when we obey Him. And so it's an invitation to experience Him in that moment of, of Jesus. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And some of you, as you remember back to the time when you were baptized, there's something special happened in that moment, it was the affirmation of the Father, "This is my beloved daughter. This is my beloved son, and I'm well pleased." And, and I always wondered about, the, because as I talk to people who are getting ready to be baptized, one of, the thing, one of our practices is that we ask people to verbalize their commitment to Christ. And so I tell them it can be as simple as, "I have decided to follow Christ and then be baptized." But it's never that. And some of you remember, you got up here in front of the people and and because I told you you had to voice it. And you started to cry and you started to talk in in, in ways that you never, because there's something powerful. We don't verbally hear the voice of the father, but there's something that resonates in our spirit in that moment. And I've called it a mystical moment. A baptism. Now I understand even more deeply that it is a point of God's delight when we're baptized because we're obeying Him. There and uh, so I've been baptized three times. And some of you are going, well, of course, because with you nothing ever takes the first time. The reality is, I don't remember the first one because I was a baby. My mom was going to a Methodist church, and they baptized me without asking me. They just that, That's the tradition. Now, understand, I am not trying to be critical of people who do th- other things. I will say they're not being biblical. But they're well, most of them are well-meaning people. So I'm not criticizing that. I, I never condemned my mom for baptizing me as a baby. She didn't know any difference. She was trying to do the right thing. So I was baptized as a baby. Then um, my uh, my mom um, never felt at home in that church. It it wasn't relationships like this. And so her next door neighbor invited her to go to the Church of God congregation where I ended up growing up, which were very much relationship-oriented like we are. And so she she got there and took me to Bible school. And so when I was seven or eight years old... um, they had vacation Bible school, and at the end, they invited kids if they wanted to accept Christ as their Savior to come forward. And, um, and I watched my best friend do that and then get baptized, and I watched all the attention that he got. And so with this totally impure motivation, I said, I would like to be baptized. Why? Because I wanted that same attention. Now, I think God was up there going, phew. Kirby can't get anything right. It wasn't the right motivation, but I was baptized. When I was 15 years old, God reached into my life in a powerful way, draw me to himself, transform my life. And it wasn't long after that, that uh, the Maiden Lane Church of God, where I attended, they were going to have a baptism service, and God started working on me. He said you need to be baptized. And I said I was. And he said it didn't count. <laughs> I don't remember hearing him say that, but that's what he indicated. And I and I I didn't want to do it because there were people all around me who remembered when I was 7 or 8 years old and I got baptized. This was going to be I had to lower my pride. I had to admit that I really didn't, I really wasn't following Christ. It was just all about getting attention in front of all of these people. And I didn't want to do it. And so I went to my uh, youth pastor, and I explained to him the situation, and I said, I don't think I need to be baptized. Do you think I need to be baptized? Um, been, I was baptized. And, I, and he, one of the wisest things he ever did in my life. And I learned from him, as you will soon recognize. He said to me, what do you think God wants you to do? I said, D- don't tell me that. <laughs> Just tell me I don't have to be baptized. I don't want, I want you to tell. And he goes, no, what do you want? What do you think? God? And I knew what God wanted me to do. And so at 15 years old, in front of a bunch of people who had seen me baptized before, I, had to, I walked into the baptismal pool and admitted that um, I wasn't a Christian before, and I, and I just had to lower my pride and say, I want, I want to do what God wants me to do more than I want to save my pride. And a lot of times that's the issue with our hesitation to be baptized. It's, it... it, it um, I have to lower my pride. I think that's, we're going to talk about baptism is by immersion. I think that's one of the issues too is because when you are completely immersed in water and you come up soaking wet in front of all these people, it's not a prideful moment. You don't look good wet. I don't care who you are. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's it's an issue of being humble before the Lord. And so it, it's, uh, and so that that leads us into the next one, and that is that biblical baptism is by immersion. It's by immersion. It's it's um, every, the if, if you look back at Matthew chapter three, the grammar there in, in verse sixteen says that when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water. Well, you can't come up out of the water unless you've gone under the water. And so sprinkling or pouring is not a biblical mode of baptism. Um, and so Jesus was baptized by immersion, and, and if that's the only reason, that's enough, right? But every baptism that we have in the Bible... Indicates by immersion. Philip with the Ethiopian eunuch. They come up out of the water. And in fact, the word baptize, baptizo in the Greek, means to dip underwater. It doesn't mean sprinkle. It doesn't mean pour. It means come out of the water. And as we'll see in a moment, baptism represents the death and resurrection of Jesus. We're following the symbolic... um, picture of Jesus' death and resurrection. And the only way to portray that is by going down under the water as if into the tomb, and then up from the water as the resurrection. So biblical baptism is by immersion, and that's what we practice. Um, And so some people will object to that because they don't want to dishonor their parents. My parents baptized me when I was a baby, and I don't... And, as, as, and I think it's a, a lie that the devil used that if you do something else, then you would dishonor what they did. No, your parents are probably well-meaning people. They did what they believed was right, but that doesn't discount the fact that you need to follow in, the, in obedience to Jesus. Um, and there's, there's a fear. Some, of, some people have a fear of water. Um, and I understand that. Um, but I'm a strong guy. I'm a tall guy, and I've never lost anybody. I <laughs> almost knocked one out. You want to hear this story? Okay. I was pastoring in Nantiglo, Pennsylvania, first baptism I ever did. My whole life, they didn't teach me everything I needed to know. And so I got a, a guy named uh, uh, John Winning, who was into the baptismal pool and he was about this tall and I I have him in the baptismal pool and I say in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit and I begin, I take him down and I look over and I realize if I go all the way down I'm going to knock him out because the steps are right there and so I go whoop! let's try it again take a few (laughs) steps this way and everybody's laughing And then under the water, back out. Do you think that um, caused that moment to be less valuable or less meaningful? Not at all. I think God was going, this is fun. (laughs) I love watching these new pastors who don't know what they're doing. (laughs) So it's by immersion. And and so, um, like I say, under the water. And... And just by the way, if you haven't been baptized and you want to be baptized, think about how much difficulty you've given me. Because there's a direct correlation in how long I hold you under. <laughs> Before I, Not really, no. Randy's up here going, Herb, no. That's not the way we do it. All right. Number two. So baptism is a command with a promise. And the promise is when you're baptized in obedience to God, there's a a, a powerful moment that occurs in his affirmation and his love. I love it because usually afterwards we'll have some kind of a fellowship time and you can see the glow. There's just something that happens in a person's life when they're baptized. Number two, baptism is a declaration. It's a declaration. It doesn't, uh, baptism is not salvation. The thief on the cross was never baptized. And yet Jesus said to me with, you'll be with me in paradise. Baptism is not salvation. Baptism is a declaration uh, of loyalty. It's a loyalty oath. Open your Bible to Colossians chapter two, beginning with verse 12. Colossians chapter 2, beginning with verse 12. Colossians 2, verse 12. Having been buried with him in baptism. So here's the symbolism. When you go under the water, you're buried with Christ in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith and the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead, symbol of his resurrection. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your faith, God made alive together with him, having forgiven all our trespasses by canceling the debt, the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. So it's the cross that cancels our sin not not baptism but the cross. And then verse 15, he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. So when Jesus died and he was resurrected, he put these spiritual authorities, these these rebellious unseen entities, these w- what we often call demonic forces to shame. He triumphed over them. And so when we are baptized, we are declaring that all over again. We are, it, it's not saving us. It is, is declaring to the seen and the unseen world. And so I put bullet points. It's a declaration to Christ that you're following him. It's saying, Lord, I will do whatever you want me to do. You commanded it. You gave it to me as an example. You want me to be baptized. I'll be baptized." And I'm going to mark this place in my life as a confirmation that of my declaration of loyalty. But it's also a declaration to Christ followers that you're joining them. In, especially in the ancient world, baptism was the, the, the mark of change. And so when John came on, on the scene baptizing, he said, repent and be baptized. Repent of your sins. And people would come to him, and they would, they would want to be baptized because it was the thing to do. And he said, no. He says, go, go show that you are actually repenting. Because I'm not baptizing you just for show. It's a mark of declaration to Christ, but also to the world. When the early believers were baptized, in our scripture reading today, after they, they accepted Christ as Savior, they were baptized, it was the point when their families would excommunicate them. And to this day, there are cultures around the world who you can go to that Christian church, you can listen to that message, but at the point they get baptized, they're excommunicated from their family, from their community. Because even the world recognizes that they're turning their back on one way of life and they're, they're deciding to go have a different way of life. And so baptism is a declaration to Fellow believers, I'm becoming a part of this family. Not not just the church family, the kingdom. But it's also a declaration to those, to the world that you're following Christ. And that's why I often encourage people who are getting baptized, invite your friends, your family, other people to be to see that, because then they will get a taste of what you're doing. They will see. So it's a declaration to the world to the people who are not following Christ. And then finally, it's a declaration to the demonic kingdom that they are defeated. That's what we're going to talk about here in a minute. So number three, baptism is spiritual warfare. Mm-hmm. Baptism is spiritual warfare. This is the part that I had not really understood until the last couple of years. understood all that first part. But in this ever deepening understanding that we have been experiencing as a congregation with the study with Michael Heiser and the supernatural, the unseen realm, um, and the the way that God is revealing things to us, passages that I didn't understand before, I now understand. And this is one of them. Because baptism is spiritual warfare. Well, the, the first Peter that we'll look at in a moment by uniting with Christ, by dying to self. And so it's spiritual warfare because it's an act of dying to myself. It's an act of humbling myself. It's humbling to go into the water and come back out. It's humbling to put, um, just just the act of allowing somebody to lower you into water is humbling. It's You have to surrender yourself. And it's a symbol of surrendering ourselves to Christ. And so one of our memory scriptures was that we have to, take up our cross daily, deny ourselves, take up our cross daily and follow him, denying ourselves. And so it's spiritual warfare in that we are denying ourselves to follow cross where we're, we're saying, I'm going to follow Christ. And so Romans chapter six, verses four and five, we were buried therefore with him by baptized baptism into death. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the father, we too might walk in newness of life that obedient act of baptism solidifies something so that we walk more powerfully in that newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall surely, certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Death and resurrection. And then I love this part that I, that I never understood until just a few years ago. That baptism is spiritual warfare in that we are reminding defeated fallen angels of their doom. When a person is baptized, it makes hell mad. Because they're being reminded that they're doomed. And so here's 1 Peter chapter 3, turn there. This is the passage of scripture that I would read and I'd go, Peter, I know you're being led by the Holy Spirit, but I don't get it. But now I get it. First Peter chapter three, verse 18. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. And that's the proclamation that we just said. Jesus died for us, nailed our sins to the cross. He was put to death in the flesh. He's now alive. He's resurrected in which we In which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey, when God's patience waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight persons, were brought safely through the water. And so this is what we studied in in supernatural and in Genesis chapter six. The um, the we we see that the uh, demon or the. Rebellious Elohim, spiritual beings, what we would call demonic and fallen angels, came to earth. They had sexual relationships with physical women, and the Nephilim were born. During the flood, the Nephilim were killed. Their spirits went into the shield, to to some prison. And so in between Good Friday and Easter Sunday, when Jesus was resurrected again, he went and told them they lost. Forever. That's what he's talking about. Those spirits in prison. And then he makes this interesting correlation. Verse 21. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you. And that word doesn't mean forgives you. It means, it's, it, it's, it says, it's an indication. Not as removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal or a pledge to God for a good conscience or Good intentions. I wish we had time to go through all the, the grammar here. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. So there's a lot in this passage that we don't have time for. What I want to highlight here, um, and Michael Heiser puts it really well. So I got here's a quote. He says, in effect, baptism in the New Testament theology is a loyalty oath, a public avowal of who is on the Lord's side in the cosmic war between good and evil. It's saying, I'm on the Lord's side and I'm declaring it to the Lord. I'm declaring it to the church. I'm declaring it to those people who do not follow Christ, but I'm also declaring it in the unseen realm. He says, but in addition to that is also a visceral reminder to the defeated fallen angels. Every baptism is a reiteration of their doom in the wake of the gospel and the kingdom of God. Early Christians understood the typology of this passage and it's linked back to the fallen angels of Genesis 6. Early baptismal formulas included a renunciation of Satan and his angels for this very reason. Baptism was and still is spiritual warfare. That also helps us grasp why when a person is baptized, there's this sense of God's presence. And and some people will say, you know, it was in my baptism, not, not when I accepted Christ, but at my baptism, when it seemed like the trajectory just got stronger and God's presence got stronger in my life because it was spiritual warfare. Here's another thing, though, when you're baptism, it puts a bigger target for the enemy on you. Amen. It's spiritual warfare. Mm-hmm. When you declare you are on the Lord's side no matter what, then the enemy will try to take you out. He will try to defeat you. And, and I've had people say, man, I, I, my life was going pretty good. And then I got baptized and this went wrong and that went wrong. And that. Well, of course. Because soldiers fight and Satan knows it but greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Amen. It's a sealing event moment. Amen. Accepting Christ is this process of God drawing us and getting us to himself. And so as I look back on my life, um, when I was seven years old, there was, there was something in me that was drawn. And I think it was, it was another piece of the puzzle that God used. And, and when I was eight, when I was nine, and when all, until finally at 15, it all came together. And then when I, I said, I want to be on the Lord's side, so I'm going to obey even though it's embarrassing. I'm going to be baptized and that's, there's a something that happened. It's a promise. Because, and, and because of all of that, we dare not do it flippantly. We dare, we dare not do it just because it's a thing to do. It's a, it's a decision to say, no matter what, I am on the Lord's side. And so if you've already been baptized, I hope this helps you to value it even more and remember it even more vividly and appreciate it even more deeply and, and delight in the fact that when you were baptized, you were making, you were making hell mad. I love that. Because he just seeks to steal, kill, and destroy all the time. If you haven't been baptized, I invite you to be baptized. And so we're going to have our next baptism service um, in two weeks. At the end of our worship time on June 26th, we are... Are um, you shaking your head? She told me I wouldn't be here. Oh. So, um, so how we are resolving the issue of having to borrow somebody else's baptistry is we're buying... Some kind of a horse trough or watering. I, I, we're we're looking around. And so, at the end of our our service on the twenty-sixth, we will invite those who are going to be baptized to come up and verbalize their commitment, because that's a part of the process. We we ask you to verbal. There's something that solidifies it when you say it out loud. It can be as simple as I am committed to following christ and i want to be baptized and so we'll do that at the end of the service then we're all going to traipse around we're going to go to the back of our building where we're going to have whatever this thing is and then we're going to celebrate baptism it's as simple as that everybody watching everybody celebrating everybody enjoying it um, and so if you are interested in being baptized in a horse trough. <laughs> By me. Let, talk to me. Put, or you can put it on your card and I'll get in, in contact with you. Um, and then we'll have our picnic. And that will be the celebration. So we, I just, as we were thinking about this, that just seemed like the way to do it. Worship Because you don't have to worry about getting lunch because lunch will already be on the grounds. So uh, we'll walk up... um, so there's probably logistics that I left out that you're thinking about um, but we can continue to talk about that so would you bow your heads as we close and think back if you have been baptized think back to that moment And let the Spirit take you back. Not just mentally, but where you were spiritually. And recognize the delight that God had in you in that moment. And the delight that you brought to Him. It wasn't just a ritual. It wasn't just a religious thing. It was a moment when the God of the universe was delighted in you. Just thank Him for that. Express your appreciation and your love for Him. If you've not been baptized, has God prided you to do that? It's not something that we do flippantly. But if you've accepted Christ as your Savior and you are determined to follow Him no matter what, then it's time. And I encourage you just to to say, Lord, I, I want to hear Your words. This is my beloved son. This is my beloved daughter in whom I'm well pleased. And so, Lord, I'll do it. Lord, I ask again that you would forgive me for my neglect of something so powerful, something that's of you. And now, Lord, thank you for convicting and revealing and prodding. And now I pray that you would use this for your purposes in ways that I don't even know about. To accomplish your purposes, to extend your kingdom, to win the battles for the souls of people. And to help us all grow. Lord, it's we're so grateful that you love us so much and that all we have to do is walk in step with you. As we go forward, Lord, lead us, nudge us so that we bring delight to you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.